everybody, before you get into the podcast and get into listening to the main show, I just want to mention something that happened with the recording. Uh, there's a section at about 1 hour 40 minutes or so where um, I finished my TV list and then I asked David and Robert for theirs. And as soon as I, well kind of after I finished saying that, you can hear a few more bits and pieces from me. But after that section, there's just completely no audio from me whatsoever. Uh, I I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's something to do with the recording software. If I maybe need to update it, I'll I'll look into doing that. Um, It still has uh, clear, nice audio from um, David and Robert doing their TV lists. But after that, there's no audio. So I'm going to re-record the outro and uh and kind of go from there um i i made a few comments here and there about you know david and robert's list and and some things that they mentioned in there uh it's still got all of my audio from all of my lists so the stuff that you know matters a lot more um in terms of my list for for games uh tv and 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 films that's all still in there so we didn't lose any of that um but yeah we've been doing this for two and a half years or, or a bit longer and that's never happened before so i guess that's kind of a first time for everything but uh, hopefully you guys still enjoy the show there's still you know most of it in there um it doesn't take away anything really from the podcast you you guys can still hear david and robert doing their lists and then you'll hear a redone version of the outro uh from me that part of the intro won't have any audio from david and robert and and then you'll hear them say goodbye after i say goodbye and then that'll be into the podcast so uh, thank you guys for listening still to this podcast um but yeah it's never it's never happened before it's crazy over two years and i've never lost a piece of audio in this kind of way because uh, it was a piece of it was a problem with a piece of the audio before david sorted that out then he sent it back to me and uh i got to I, I was sort of you know scrolling through the 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 podcast to see if there was any problems and then just noticed there was no audio from my side whatsoever uh so i won't be able to get that back unfortunately i can't re-record that piece of the podcast but i'm going to re-record my outro and kind of go from there uh so thank you guys for understanding unfortunately it happened on such a big podcast but uh, i guess you just can't have help when these things happen but um thank you guys for listening uh i'm done talking on this part uh, there's still a lot more for you to enjoy. So thank you guys for listening and we will uh, well, en- enjoy the rest of the show. entertainment talk today we're here to do a new type of podcast it's going to be called the best of 2018 i'm your host matthew joining me today my co-hosts are david and robert how are you both doing today i'm doing good how are you guys doing i'm doing well thanks good good uh so what we're gonna do is simply uh we got lists of um yeah we got lists of like the best films and games and and shows that we've seen and played this year uh and watched and stuff 
and uh, we're simply going to go through it and tell you why we we think something is is better than maybe something else and uh, you know uh, reveal the the top pick and sort of go from there uh, so I think we should just get uh, straight into things. Uh, we're going to start with films, then we're going to go video games, and then we're going to go uh, TV shows. Uh, so I'm going to start with my films. Uh, I've got 10 in this list, so I'm just going to start from there. Uh, number 10 is going to be Tag. It's the f uh, and most of these, I've not reviewed all of these, so that won't give away like the whole list or whatever. Uh, but some of them obviously I did review, some of them I didn't. But uh, yeah, uh, number 10 was Tag, which me and Robert reviewed early in the year uh, it's got a really really good cast and it's basically about these people that sort of try to meet up once uh, once a year or once a month or, or whatever the, the case was and uh, yeah try, try and do this uh, serious uh, sort of, of game of tag and stuff and there's the one particular character played by uh, Jeremy Renner who of course you guys know uh, as Hawkeye and you ha may have seen earlier this week and um, yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, well, yes, although in that trailer he's not actually playing Hawkeye, yeah. but that's an entirely different discussion. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yes, you may have seen him earlier this week. Uh, me, and, me and Robert both really enjoyed the film. I don't know if David's actually seen it, but um, no. yeah, it, 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 was just quite, it was just quite fun. It wasn't something you had to take too seriously, and uh, we both quite enjoyed that, so that was number 10. Yeah, uh, it was a good popcorn movie. Yeah, you know, it's just one yeah. of those, it's not too heavy with the plot, but a ton of people in it that you would recognize. It's just one of those movies, you sit down, take a couple hours, giant thing of popcorn, <laughs> and you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it was good for that as well. Uh, number nine, something a bit more serious and mysterious and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cloverfield Paradox, which some of you guys may have, you know, there's you know, a certain amount of recency bias in, in certain things. Um, and I think, if I'm uh, not mistaken, this came out New Year's Day, was it? Um, th 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 this year, it, it was like one of those midnight releases for um, for Netflix uh, that, that they had, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, that was really, really good. It's basically the sequel and prequel to Cloverfield. I mean, the timeline's got all sort of mysterious and weird and all that kind of stuff because you basically have Cloverfield, which is the first one, and then Ten Cloverfield Lane is the second one, which is kind of a prequel and a sequel in certain ways. And this sort of works in the same way as well. Um, it really got me sort of back into the mystery of Cloverfield and everything, and uh, I I really enjoyed it for that. It got a lot of it got a lot more. I feel like out of the three of them, this this one got the most criticism. Um, but uh, I I still really enjoyed it. I'm very invested in Cloverfield. Uh, but unfortunately, as it turns out, the Overlord film that came out uh, I think in October, which was the J.J. Abrahams thing uh wasn't tied into cloverfield unfortunately so uh we'll have to wait and see when we get another one but uh hopefully it'll be soon so that's good as well so that's number nine number eight another speaking of uh fun films the spy who dumped me which is uh mila kunis and kate mckinnon's uh spy team up not necessarily cop film uh but spy kind of buddy team up um film where they get involved uh with um oh, what's his name from the leftovers uh, the, the main guy in the leftovers, I can't remember his, his name off the top of my head, but he gets involved in stuff and he is the spy who dumped uh, the particular character, Mila, Mila Kunis's character, and I just thought it was fun, it was really cool, um, but I was the only one who saw it at the time, so uh, we probably won't get a sequel, I've not heard anything about the film. Uh, outside of you know my own kind of review and stuff, I've not really seen any coverage for it anywhere. So it seems like uh, nobody sort of saw it, but uh, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, number seven is Annihilation. This one got a weird kind of release. It was released 
uh, in, I guess, theatres or cinemas, depending on what you want to call them, uh, in the US. And then, like, I think about a month later or something, it got a Netflix release in the UK. It was a little bit strange and it didn't do very well, I think, at the box office. So uh, I'm not sure if it's got a sequel or if it's based off a book or something. But uh, it had Natalie Portman and the uh, the mother from Atypical. I can't quite recall the actress's name, but it had her in it as well. And, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee. Okay, yeah, it had um, had her in it. She was kind of teaming up with uh, with Natalie Portman and stuff. It had these, it had these weird sort of monsters and things, and it was just a good sci-fi film. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It had, it had a particular amount of like mystery and like really heavy kind of horror, uh, especially in some particular scenes. So that was really fun as well. Uh, hopefully that gets a sequel one day. Uh, number six is going to be Halloween: The Return of Michael Myers. Um, or kind of the start of Michael Myers to me. I know that there were seven films before that, but they're all before my time and, and stuff like that, of course. Uh, but this was kind of a nice sort of revival slash sequel slash reboot sort of thing. It it, it was a good uh, entry point into the franchise if you've never started it, which I, I hadn't. So I felt, I felt like it did a really good job of sort of settling me into that world and who, who everybody was, what their relationship was to Michael. Uh, telling you a bit about Michael without actually revealing really much at all because there's you know a lot of mystery to him and stuff. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great and uh, it's probably going to get a sequel, I think. I can't remember if that was confirmed or not, but they said about doing a sequel, which it probably will get because it did very well and stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Uh, number five, Solo, a Star Wars story, of course, the Hunt Solo um, prequel film. Um, yeah, of course, after the bad reception of The Last Jedi, which me and David both, I remember us enjoying it, at least from the review. Yeah. Uh, which was, yeah, the, the year before? That was the December yes. before, I think, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, they've sort of shifted it around a bit. It's now sort of a s- spring, summer type film instead of a holiday one. Um. But no, I thought Solo was really good. I thought it was a lot of fun. I I think the the actors they put in place to play these younger um, people, such as like Donald Glover and and everybody, uh, did a really good job. Amelia Clark was in it as well. She did a great job, and uh, no, it was a good fun Star Wars film, and uh, I quite liked it. So, um, and I heard the guy who played Solo, whose name is also not coming to mind, uh, he signed up for a trilogy, or his like contract has him written down for a trilogy. So hopefully we'll see. Another one from that, but we'll have to uh, wait until on that front. Uh, number four is going to be The Incredibles 2. R- really, really enjoyed it after 14 years of waiting. Um, but uh, yeah, it came back and it was just almost like it never left. It basically carried on from where the last one kind of started. And uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I felt like they showed even more of the potential with with the characters and stuff and sort of hinted at what they like could do in the future. And I spoke about that as well in the podcast uh, that I did in the summer, I think it was, for The Incredibles 2. Uh, hopefully we don't have to wait another 14 years because otherwise I will be 38, I think. <laughs> if we have to wait another 14 years so uh, yeah hopefully we get one before that we, we shall see oh no you'll be old then you'll just be all crassity and crotchety I'm saying you- nothing <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah um, so yeah that was number four uh, number sorry number what have I done now I've got two written down for number four but the next one which I've got written as number four is game night uh, so I might wait one two three four I think there's 11 here. But anyway, number four is Game Night, um, which I thought was a fun, uh, similar to Tag in some ways, but a different concept. It's more based around like an adult's game night as opposed to like a game of Tag. 
uh, featured an entirely different cast and everything. Um, I thought that was really good. And uh, yeah, it, it threw a lot of twists and turns almost in like a comedic kind of slapstick kind of way. But it didn't like... It wasn't stupid, if you if you know what I mean. It's sort of like, hey, twist here and twist here and twist here towards the end of the film, more more so than than the middle. Uh, and there was just a lot of little funny scenes in there and stuff, particularly with the the money bribing scene. I thought that was uh, pretty good as well. And uh, yeah, don't know if that's going to get a sequel, but uh, it could get one, judging by the ending, which I won't spoil, obviously. But uh, that was very good as well. I really enjoyed that. Number three, we're in the top three. Uh, so searching. Which was the um, the film about the, uh, the the daughter who goes missing and the dad has to look for her. Sounds pretty simple, but um, there was a there was a lot behind that film and there was a lot of twists and turns. And as I said, uh, I think on Geek Town I spoke about it whenever that was. And uh, in my review, I said about how like when you're seeing the laptop sort of capture footage from the dad and he's searching around you know instagram google maps facebook whatever he's using how the film manages to like pause let you sort of discover something and then have kind of the shock reveal and how it uses that sort of element like over and over and over again but but like uses it well and uses it properly and stuff uh i i thought they did a really good job with that and it was just really like suspenseful and and uh quite shocking so that was really good as well Number two, A Quiet Place. Uh, John Krasinski is back. Well, he was back twice this year because he was also he also did Jack Ryan. Uh, but he did a horror film similar in some ways to uh, Annihilation, you know, with mysterious monsters that have probably a bit of backstory, which uh, we could maybe find out in a sequel of of either sense with with either of these. Uh, so I thought that was really good as well, and it was just uh, it was a bit of a different experience because in the cinema you really did have to be very quiet because the scenes sort of require you to to do that in order to like feel sort of fully immersed in stuff so um i I liked the sort of experience of watching that as well i thought that was really good uh number one if uh yeah avengers infinity war obviously because it's you know it's a bit like the game of thrones of this year where it's like you know that was at the top of most people's lists and, and that sort of thing because uh, I think we, we've discussed that a bit before on, on the Geek Town Awards and stuff, how uh, Game of Thrones tends to come top of top of the list and stuff. Obviously, yeah. it won't be this year because it wasn't actually on TV. But, yeah, um, yeah Avengers Infinity War really, really surprised me. I, I, mem- I still remember how I sort of felt uh, when I came out of the cinema and stuff and was like, what the hell are they going to do now, you know? Um, but uh, we sh- I guess we shall see in April. Uh, the trailer's out there for Avengers 4, uh, as you guys probably know. I'm assuming most people probably know that this week. Um, but uh, no, it was... Uh, and it and it gave them something different as well. It wasn't just like, hey, these guys are going to team up and take this guy down. And, you know, but we'll we'll move on to the sequel. It was, it was something very different. So I thought that was great. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to April. Um, so, David, would you like to go next? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, um, as I said just before we came on air, yeah. the... Uh, uh, my list of films, I, I really don't get out to the cinema as much as I should do. So my list of, I, I do have 10 films, but, um, they're, they're kind of a list of films that I've seen this year in an order rather than being a list of like maybe the top films that were out this year. So, um, uh, I mean, I do, and, and this is most obviously seen by the fact that Venom is at my number 10 list, uh, which yeah. wasn't a great movie. I mean, t- I, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah. It w- wasn't a particularly great movie, but I did think Tom Hardy was, was quite good in the film and was the one sort of redeeming feature of it. Um, 
so yeah i that's at my number 10 uh jurassic world fallen kingdom i got a number nine which i enjoyed i like that universe it's it's good fun uh and uh you know it was nice to go back to it uh mission impossible fallout which i saw recently that i, I really that. liked um i i thought that was a really interesting way of sort of dovetailing bits from all the other films into into one new movie uh so yeah i i thought that was um interesting sort of update and i sort of wonder where they're going to end up going next with the franchise well, he won't be jack reacher so. <laughs> no well he won't yeah. be jack reacher anymore um ready player one i got a number seven which i thought was a solid adaptation of the book i really really like the book um I, I think the book connects more to me because I'm an 80s child and it, it was very heavily steeped in the 80s, whereas they kind of didn't... They, they abandoned that a little bit for the film to be able to put other characters in. Obviously, there were licensing issues with certain things, so they couldn't do them in exactly the same way. But overall, I think it was a pretty solid adaptation. It would make, at some point, a great TV series, I think, that. Mm. Um, so uh, that's at my number seven. Number six, I've got Black Panther. Uh, people forget Black Panther came out this year because there's been so much Marvel stuff. But um, yeah, Black Panther I, I I enjoyed, but it did commit the cardinal sin of ending the film having two almost identical heroes beating the crap out of each other, uh, which is is such lazy writing as far as I'm concerned. I I just I mean it was well done most of the way through, but that really annoyed me at the end. Um, Ant Man and Wasp five. Uh, which again I only saw fairly recently, but um, it's a it's a solid addition to the Marvel franchise. Um, I like the way it dovetails into the Infinity War, even though it came out after Infinity War. So uh, yeah, you know I I rather like that, um, and uh, I I think they're always fun the Ant Man films. So uh, I was happy to see that back. Uh, Four is slightly out of left field because it, it is the documentary film from Peter Jackson called They Shall Not Grow Old. Um, this is, if you don't know anything about this, it was where he took a bunch of World War um, One footage and um, remastered it from you know the sort of little traditional videos that we're used to seeing of sort of black and white soldiers moving too fast because the the uh the speed of the cameras and things and they slowed it all down blew it up colorized it um put voice actors onto it so you actually got a a soundtrack of what was going on okay. you know of, and they sort of put lip reading experts in so they could have an idea of what they were saying and sort of matched it up and stuff uh, and then a bunch of voiceover from genuine world war one veterans which comes from the bfi archive in london um uh, and it's a phenomenal piece of work just just as an interesting sort of documentary um and really puts you in the middle of world war one so uh it's a, it was on the bbc fairly recently i think if you're in the uk it's still on iplayer i think at the moment so uh, well worth to go and have a look at if you've not seen that uh i've got solo at number three because at, at the time it got a lot of stick that film but I've been back and watched it again, and the performances in it are really on point. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, Eldon Alric is it that plays um, Han Solo? Not, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. uh, the I, I thought his performance was absolutely superb, and he's like he's channeling Harrison Ford in places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Glover is always brilliant. So yeah, I'm I, watching, I, uh, I just I'm watching Community at the moment. He's really good in that. So right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's really really solid. Um, 
At two, I've got Deadpool 2, which, uh, I, I, again, I really enjoyed. I love the first one. I thought it's, it's such a different take on the, um, superhero genre. Uh, I like the fact that it's sort of 18 rated. It's silly. It's over the top. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. So, uh, that's my number two. Oh, number one, of course, is Infinity War, because yeah. what else could it be? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Nice. Um, all right, Robert, how about you? Uh, well, obviously a lot of our lists are going to match up to the same. Uh, I don't really have like a top 10 list or anything like that. I just have, uh, I'm like, yeah, I have, uh, movies that I've seen this year. Obviously the, uh, the biggest one is still Infinity War, so that's going to be, you know. I, I think everybody, I think you could know that before you can press play on this podcast, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Tag is another good one. You and I reviewed that one for one of the podcasts. That was a very good movie. Um, I have two movies that one I gotta see. I just haven't got around to it yet. The other one's not out yet. Uh, the first one that I need to see is Bohemian Rhapsody, which okay. is a biopic of the band Queen, which I'm a huge fan of their music. Yep. Uh, plus, if you look at uh, Rami Malek, he is almost a clone <laughs> of uh, you know the Queen lead singer, yeah. uh, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. 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 It is. It is terrifyingly similar <laughs> it's like they're so almost nearly identical it's it's a little freaky to be honest with you uh the one that's not out yet is mortal engines i literally know nothing about it I, i've only seen the trailers but it looks like a good you know explosion blow crap up movie and i'm always a fan of those even doesn't matter how bad or lame the plot is if you have a, a good stunt coordinator and a good uh you know, special effects artists, you can make a, a movie that, like I said before, it's a popcorn movie, you know, get a bucket of popcorns yeah. down and, uh, let the world, uh, disappear for a couple <laughs> hours. That's totally worth 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, I'm agreeing, uh, with, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a, a nice lighter tone. I, I do like the lighter tone to it. Uh, Creed 2, I mean, I'm a huge, uh, sports movie fan anyway, and, I don't know if either of you got a chance to see the first Creed movie, but it's a beautiful passing of the torch from Sylvester Stallone to Michael B. Jordan. Plus, it's Michael B. Jordan. I mean, how the hell do you not like that? <laughs> and then Creed 2 is basically the remake of uh, Rocky IV, and they brought back uh, uh, Drago, which obviously killed uh, Creed's father back in Rocky IV. And then they brought back uh, uh, everybody. They brought back... Uh, God, I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, he played uh, the original Drago, but uh, uh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, yeah. They brought back Dolph Lundgren. Uh, uh, they actually brought back uh, some of the bunch of the people from uh, the show. I won't spoil who all they brought back because none of them ever really got announced in either any of the trailers or any of the artwork. But there's a a lot of people from older Rocky movies that are in that that make a, an appearance. So. A very good movie, especially if you're a fan of boxing. I would definitely check that out. Cool. Uh, nice. Deadpool 2, it was it was a decent movie. I wouldn't call it a great movie. Um, it just, to me, it struck me as trying too hard. I mean, it was still funny. I still got a lot of good laughs at it. But honestly, I would put the first one over the second one. Yeah, that's fair. Hmm. I think that's fair. Just because the first one, everybody had the sense of, of amazement. I mean, I can't believe we could do this movie. We get to make an awesome Deadpool movie. Right, and it was and then the second, and, yeah, and oh yeah, stuff, yeah. And you can definitely tell the directorial shift with uh, Tim Miller not being uh, at yeah. the head of it for Deadpool two. 
Uh, and it just felt like some of the jokes just felt like they were trying too hard. Um, easiest way to explain it is like, if you've ever just randomly showed up at a party, and it was an amazing party, everybody had just tons of fun, and it was a great night, and then a couple of months later you think, that was a great party, we should do it again. So you get the same people in the same situation, and it's just not quite as good as the first one because the first one was so spontaneous. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's a fair assessment of it in a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did see Ready Player One. I got to say, I wasn't a, a huge fan of it. But then again, I've never really been a fan of movies to where somebody writes a book and the book's really, really popular and then they make a movie out of it. Yeah. Just because it, it honestly felt like a speed run through a video game. Because uh, if the book, the book is so huge, and granted, there's a lot of fat that you can trim out of that book to make a movie, but the book is still what, like a thousand pages? Yeah. I actually checked the uh, the audio version of the book is 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, Will Wheaton does the audio book for oh, that wow. uh, book. Hmm. Yeah, so if you if you're a fan of Will Wheaton and want to hear his voice for 17 hours, get the audio book. Um, but there was just so much of the nuance and the and the context that didn't really come across because I had read the book. Yeah. It wasn't a bad movie. I mean, it, you know, friggin' Steven Spielberg directed it for crying out loud, so it's not like it was going to be a bad movie. <laughs> um, like, like I say, it'll make a good TV show at some point in the future. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that I would really like to see that, you know, maybe not specifically those characters, but maybe in that universe as a yeah. TV show, something that'll go... You know, a couple, three. And outside of that, I mean, I really didn't see a whole lot of movies this year. I mean, obviously, Black Panther saw that, loved it. Uh, um, I can't wait to see uh, all the movies that are coming out next year. Uh, Mortal Engines comes out. It's got a weird release date. It's got a 14th as a release date, so that's... Yeah. It, it's weird for a movie to be premiering like that on... Uh, Oh no! Well, I mean, I guess it is a Friday. My time, my sense of time is all screwed up. That's what happens when you, when you, I, you wouldn't know this, but I was in Florida last week for work, and whenever, you, whenever I travel, my, my sense of time gets a little screwed up. So yeah, that's, I think eight fourteen eight, and today's the eighth that we're recording, and it says the fourteenth is a release date. For some reason, I thought that was a Wednesday. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, that one I'll probably get to at some point. Uh, I still need to see a couple others. So I'm not going to bring them up. But yeah, it's a decent year for movies. I mean, it's mm. no 1984, but then again, what is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the two that actually missed... <clears throat> excuse me. The two that actually missed the list this year for me, um, because I haven't seen the, them yet, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, so as a big Spider-Man fan, if you were wondering why that wasn't in the list, it's because I haven't seen it yet. Um, and the other one was the the one that I keep alluding to, the Steve Carell, uh, the new film that he's doing, which I c- continue to not remember the name of, but it's coming out like right at the end of of December, like the last week. Uh, so obviously I haven't seen that yet. So, and uh, yeah, obviously Venom didn't make my list. So uh, yeah, yeah, cool. That's our. Uh, uh, and uh, by the way, as for context for the people listening that are younger, because I'm 44, I don't know how old you guys are, uh, David, but uh, same same age as you. So <laughs> yeah. So for context, these are the movies that came out in 1984. The Karate Kid, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Ghostbusters, The Terminator, Neverending Story, Gremlins, Dune, Footloose, Police Academy, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Beverly Hills Cop, Splash, um, Red Dawn, Star Trek III, This is Spinal Tap, 
and The Natural. And that's just a <laughs> short list of movies that came out just in that year. That was a good year for film. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that that was a damn good year for film. And I've actually seen a couple of them. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could yeah. like you were talking about like the retro reviews. You could just literally take movies from 1984, mm-hmm. and there's your whole list right there. There's your whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. I think that's it for the uh, film side of things. We're going to move on to uh, video games after this bit because uh, we're going to jump into some housekeeping. So we'll see you in a minute for that. Today's sponsor is Kirsty Legister's Juice Plus. If you would like to get help with trying to lose weight, this might just be the solution that you're looking for. With a range of products that include shakes, boosters, capsules and more, get started today. All you need to do is click on the Kirsty Legister's Juice Plus link in your show notes or description on iTunes or on the website. Go over to her Facebook profile Send her a Facebook message and get started with the program today. Today's second sponsor is Kualu. If you'd like to get started with a domain name and a website today, just click on the link in the show notes and that will take you over to Kualu to get started. They also have a live support chat system that you can use which is in the bottom right hand corner. So get started with a new website and domain name today with Kualu. Hey everybody, if you would like to get the ad-free versions of all of our podcasts and support entertainment talk along the way, all you need to do is head over to patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk, sign up either as a creator or as a Patreon, there's no difference there. That's just the option for either becoming a creator now or just staying as a patron for the moment. And then all you need to do is support us at the $1 level tier. That will get you access to all of the ad-free podcasts that we've done in the past and get you access to all the ad-free podcasts in that month as well. So it's a great way to support us on Entertainment Talk and to get rid of the ads and get your ad-free podcasts. As always, thank you very much for listening. Back to the show. Okay, so recently on Entertainment Talk, uh, we had the wrap-up for the mid-season finale for The Flash, which was the 100th episode. We've got, we got a bit of a theme at the moment with mid-season finales, because the DC shows are going to have their mid-season finales, The Flash has had its mid-season finale, and surprisingly this week, we actually did have the mid-season finale of The Good Place. I thought we'd had it before with episode... Yes, so did uh, I. <laughs> yeah, with 308, and then as, as I said on, I think, Gaming Talk and some other stuff this week... Uh, Alan said more tweeted just before I went to bed and he was like, uh, hey, here's my review of The Good Place this week. And I was like, what? Well, where? Really? Um, but uh, no, it was good. The Good Place came back for its actual mid-season finale and uh, a great performance by uh, Darcy uh, Carden as, as Janet, uh, which was very good as well. Uh, and it will be, I, I think, it will be back on uh, January 11th, uh, 2018. Because I've been joking in the last couple of weeks, The Good Place on Twitter, saying like, hey, don't forget The Good Place this week. Uh, but it actually was on this week as well. So yeah, if you missed the episode, if you didn't know, it's out there and so is the podcast. Uh, of course, Walking Dead, we recently wrapped up for the mid-season finale for season 9. Um, what else have we got? Uh, and next week, I'm going to be seeing Wreck-It Ralph 2 and uh, hopefully Spider-Man Into Spider-Verse as well. So I'm going to hopefully have reviews out for those. Um, speaking of things kind of coming to an end as well, Doctor Who finishes its uh, 11th season, which is Jodie Whittaker's first season. Uh, this Sunday, I hope to have a review out at some point next week for that possibly as well. How was the other thing we got this week? Uh, get Gaming talk. We talked about the Game Awards. 
We talked about the uh, the big old mess over at Bethesda at the moment. Uh, of course, we got the Crash Team Racing Remaster, which was a lot of fun. And we had uh, what was the other thing I put in the notes for that? Uh, oh yeah, my my impressions of uh, Super Smash Brothers on Nintendo Switch, which had a surprising reveal at the Game Awards. So that was some fun as well. So we talked about a bunch of things there. Um, what else was there? Uh, I I did a short little something a little bit different this week. Um, I did a bit of a mental health talk kind of chat podcast, and not, it wasn't just mental health based, but it was also a uh, just kind of talking and stuff like that. Something a little bit different. Uh, let me know what you guys kind of think of that. That might be a one-off. I might do another one. I don't know yet, but uh, it's just something. Just something I wanted to put out there. I've been trying to sort of think of what to do with that for the last uh, couple of months or so. And uh, yeah, I just put it out there yesterday, so uh, that was uh, interesting to do as well. Um, yes, I think that's roughly what we've got going on at the moment on entertainmenttalk.org or on the podcast platform of your choice, uh, including Spotify. Oh, quickly, I just want to mention, uh, speaking of best of things in 2018 and stuff, uh, I believe the Geek Town Awards, are, are they open yet? The, the votes? Yes, yes, yes voting, voting is open on the Geek Town Awards. Uh, it's geektown.co.uk forward slash awards. It's, it's open for anybody to actually vote, but if you want to win the prize package, which is worth £700 this year, and there's a runner-up prize, which is worth £125, you need to be based in the UK. Sorry, American people, but uh, uh, and people around the world, but yes, because uh, I'm not shipping it to America. But uh, um, I don't blame yeah. you. That's a great <laughs> Yeah, and it's a massive, massive box as well because it's 700 quid's worth of, of various geeky paraphernalia. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, geektown.co.uk forward slash awards if you want to go and enter there and be in with a chance of winning. Excellent, cool. Uh, and the last thing I forgot to mention is we do, of course, have the Elseworlds crossover uh, coming soon as well, and I'm sure that'll be a yes. lot of fun. Uh, all right, let's go back to the list. I'm going to uh, we'll go in the same order again, I guess, uh, with video games. Um, so I've got six in my list here. I'm just <coughs> going to jump straight in. Number six, Far Cry Five. Um, a surprising, surprisingly good game. Uh, a surprisingly sort of interesting, interesting way they sort of dealt with the topic at hand, which was like you know politics and and cults and cult leaders and stuff like that. Uh, of course, it did have another reveal um, at the Game Awards this week, but I won't spoil that for you guys uh, unless you want you know, if you want to go and check out the, uh, the the trailer for the new game and stuff. Um, but yeah, I I the one kind of thing I oddly took away from the game was just the the crossbow not the crossbow the uh, the bow and arrow mechanics. I continued to like those as well and how the combat sort of worked out. And I thought the addition of um, I can't remember exactly what they called them, but like the sidekicks that you can get. Uh, and the people that can join you, you, you got like the helicopter guy, you got various different animals that can join you in fighting, uh, including like a massive bear and stuff. Uh, and you've got a few people that fly in helicopters and snipers and people that can join you as well. And I, th- I thought they, they managed to balance that kind of interesting, interestingly well uh, as well. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a really good game overall. And like I said, kind of with the story, they, I mean... Sure, they were like the the uh, members of the cult hanging around the the islands and stuff because they were trying to kill you whenever they saw you. But it wasn't apart from the first like you know intro t- piece to the game. It wasn't really shoved down your throat. I get, I mean because it's like an open world and you're going around and exploring anyway. It's not like a linear story where it's um, being sort of forced onto you. So I thought they balanced that really well as well, which can be kind of difficult to do with uh, topics like that. So um, no, I really enjoyed Far Cry Five this year. I thought that was great. Uh, I was saying saying to Robert on the gaming talk, it's interesting how we had a full release of a Far Cry game, and then we had a reveal of a new one, a trailer, and a date 
for a game which is now uh, out in February. So we've had a, a lot of Far Cry stuff this year, which was good as well. Mm. Uh, so yeah. yeah, and the new one completely spoiled the ending. Well, it one did. of the endings for the yeah. old one. Yeah, uh, so be cautious about that. Uh, number five, God of War, one of the one of the uh, the Game Awards nominations. I won't spoil who won what at the Game Awards here. That's for the uh, Gaming Talk podcast this week. Um, but no, God of War. I thought it did uh, some brave and some new things to basically keep the core of kind of God of War and Kratos and stuff. Uh, introduce, of course, the boy, and um, and kind of just take the game in a in a bit of a different direction and have like completely fresh new gameplay and not have this like almost Mortal Kombat-esque sort of hack-and-slash type thing. It was more, like, thought out, and you, you know... It, it was just a lot sort of cleaner in its combat and stuff like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the Mortal Kombat style, but that's what God of War games had done for, for so long. And, uh... Yeah, it was, just, it was just kind of refreshing to see that. So that was good as well. Uh, number four was Celeste, a game that was... Uh, that won the uh, Games for Impact nomination uh, award and won Best Indie Game uh, for that as well. Um, and yeah, in terms of like games for impacts and stuff, the way the game tackles anxiety and sort of just general struggles, because in the game's like main menu, it tells you sort of like, hey, you're gonna die in this game quite a lot, but like it's a learning curve, don't get too frustrated, and and tries to sort of ease you in that way, and uh, it really it really does kind of help in a, in a weird way. So uh, that was that was a really good game as well, and a really kind of um, fun platformer. And stuff, and there's a particular level, sort of near the start, that's like really, really quite challenging and difficult. So I thought that was great as well. And number three, uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. So you might wonder what the hell the other two are in this list, but because uh, of course Red Dead is probably the the biggest game of the year. But um, really, really great story and. With the way they had to tell the story as well, with it being a prequel, and you, if you played the original, you know the fates of certain characters. Obviously, I won't spoil that here. Uh, but you know the fates of certain characters, you know roughly what's going to happen in some of the story. Of course, there's new characters as well, like Arthur Morgan, your your main protagonist. Um, but I thought the way they sort of got around that and sort of still tried to tell you the story of how this happened and like the story of Dutch, Arthur and John, which are kind of the three main protagonists, uh, and then introducing Sadie and what she's all about and setting her up as an interesting character. Um, and yeah, it was, just a, it was just a really beautiful, as I said, beautiful tragic masterpiece in, in my review. So... Uh, great game, Red Dead Redemption 2. Really, really solid game. Uh, number two, Detroit Become Human. Um, I feel like this game really kind of left a sense of just massive stakes throughout the whole thing. You constantly felt like the character that you had, obviously because you switched between th- the three characters. You constantly felt like, hey, if I mess this sequence up, like if you're jumping across a building or fighting someone or doing anything, that like you could miss one QTE and die and your your character's permanently dead or whatever unless you rewind the story or something. So that gave like a constant set of stakes and the, the way the game I guess made you care about these android characters and, st- and stuff and kind of brought up the theme again of like androids how human are they and, and that sort of thing and particularly with, with Connor's story they managed to do that as well and uh, with him and the, I can't remember the detective's name that he hangs around with, but uh, how he asks Connor about various different questions about like his humanity and stuff. Um, just really, really solid game. So I really enjoyed that as well. Uh, and then my game of the year is Spider-Man because um, it managed to, it managed to first of all managed to not be a lazy licensed tie-in game. And granted, Spider-Man: Homecoming was very, very good. 
but like we've had a bad history in this industry in the gaming industry of like tie-in films and things that just don't work in that way because they yeah it just doesn't work doing that a lot of the time but Insomniac just took this character and of course you know not a new IP Spider-Man's far from a new IP but taking this character and telling an, an, an original kind of story again with like characters that we've met and seen before with some like new ones and stuff like that and I also just felt like their version of Spider-Man was really, really accurate and stuff, you know, with the silly quips and how he deals with his relationships and, like, the the busy character that Spider-Man is, you know, if if he's not late for, for school or something, he's, you know, got to take down Kingpin or whatever, or Mary Jane's calling him, or his aunt is calling him for something, so, um... Yeah, really, really, really enjoyed that as well, and I've still got the other two DLCs to play. I think the third one is out later this month. I'm going to play them both together. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun as well. Really, really enjoyed Spider-Man, so that was good. Uh, David, what's your <coughs> game list? Um, well, my game list is probably going to be slightly different to you guys, because uh, I'm yeah. primarily a PC gamer, although I have... Uh, be playing PlayStation more than I think I have in a, in probably about two years most recently. So, um, but my uh, my number ten game is actually a PlayStation game, but it's a PSVR game because I got a PSVR recently, uh, and it's Beat Saber, which you may have heard a little bit about, uh, particularly if you've heard Bex talking on the uh, Geek Town Radio podcast because she's completely obsessed with this game. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's essentially, it's g- guitar hero, but using lightsabers. So, <laughs> um, you, yeah, you know, I've talked to, I've talked constantly about that game is I said, that's the only game that I would ever play in VR just because it's the only one that looks like it would be fun in VR. Yeah, it, it is amazing fun. It's really, really good fun. And, uh, I, I bought a few different VR games and, you know, things like, um, the Batman Arkham mm-hmm. VR game. Is is basically it's great, but it's basically a tech demo. Um, it's it's a, only about an hour long, so you know it's not really worth the money. But um, Beat Saber, uh, it happened to I decided there was going to be a PSVR, and it happened to being be being released the same week, and I hadn't realised. So it was one of the first things I bought. Um, and uh, you you're basically blocks fly towards you. You have to cut them in the with the right color lightsaber in the right order and in the right direction to gain points. That's essentially the the basis of it, and it's all done to the beat of the music. Um, it, it's just brilliant fun. It, it's exactly like you know, if you love things like Guitar Hero and you love Star Wars, this is exactly the game for you. It's great. Uh, so that was my number ten slot. Uh, number nine, Jurassic World Evolution. Uh, I I love building games. I've I've always loved building games. This is from Frontier, who are the people that make Planet Coaster and uh, Elite Dangerous as well, which isn't really a building game, but um, Planet Coaster. It's very very similar to Planet Planet Coaster, which is a a theme park uh, builder. Um, except instead instead of building roller coasters, you're building um. Uh, pens for dinosaurs hmm. that's that's pretty much it and you've it's it's sort of slightly more disappointing than planet coaster because planet coaster has a lot of add-on stuff whereas i mean it's been out a lot longer obviously but um there's a lot of of choice uh, in what you can build with it and they've kind of pared it down a lot for jurassic world whether that's something to do with the movie tie-in or and they didn't want like mod support for it i don't know but uh it's a shame that there wasn't more of that stuff moved across but it's still 
really good fun. I mean, who doesn't want to build your own Jurassic World? Uh, you get a chance to build a bunch of different parks, and they're all sort of different shapes. There are missions you've got to do from the heads of department, and if you don't keep all of the heads of the department relatively happy, they start sabotaging the park and letting out the dinosaurs and stuff. So uh, that's really, really good fun. Um, another city builder surviving Mars. This comes from Paradox. Uh, essentially, you've got to colonize Mars and you're building a base. You've got to build up supply lines, try not to kill everybody like by not providing enough air or oxygen and you know, oxygen and water and that sort of stuff. Uh, it's got great community mod support on the PC. So there are lots and lots of additions and changes and stuff. Uh, you start off the mission by choosing a space agency. So if you like decide to go with like an independent company like an elon musk type company you might get a bunch more money but there might be limited amounts of tech um whereas if you use nasa you might get uh, a more regular amount of money but um there are you, you've got the full support of all the nasa stuff behind them so there's more science and stuff involved uh, or if you went with russia you might find that the tech's complete rubbish but there's more money in it so there's lots of different options and, and it's very configurable. There's a few DLCs out for it as well. So that's a really good builder. Um, Kingdom Come Deliverance, which is a medieval RPG set in Bohemia, uh, sort of in the middle of Europe. It's, it's a really interesting game. It comes from Czech Studio Warhouse, uh, Warhouse Studios. It's their first game and they've really knocked it out of the park. It's, it, it feels like a sort of triple A. Um, RPG release. It's really nicely put together. Uh, you play Henry, who's the son of a blacksmith. He's, um, starts off in the middle. Oh, yeah, it was, it's literally that is what he's doing. He's sort of a blacksmith in this crappy little village. Uh, it turns out there is a me- medieval war raging around them. They, it turns up on his doorstep. They end up killing his friends and his family. So he sort of tries to fight back, ends up getting knocked to the ground and then gets rescued by somebody else and sort of gets carted off. So, um, you're following kind of this rise of, of this sort of farm boy into a kind of hero. Uh, it's just really, really well put together. And we've spoken to the developers for that before. And, uh, yeah, really, really solid game. Uh, Two Point Hospital, again, another kind of building game. Uh, it's the spiritual success to Theme Hospital, which I, I loved. It's a sing game. Um, you're constructing and operating various hospitals. There's about 10, 15 in the game, something like that. Uh, what, what's brilliant is the humour in this. There's various wonderful, weird and wacky diseases that people come up with. So there's things like lightheadedness, which is patients that come in with a light bulb for a head. And uh, you have an animal magnetism, which are people that come in and they've got like furry animals stuck to them. And you have to construct machines specifically for those diseases. So the the, uh, the de-animal animal magnetism machine is basically a massive kind of hairdryer thing that you fire at them and it shoots them all off into a, into a sort of container, shoots all the animals off the person into a container behind them. Um, so it's just fun. It's, it's really nice uh, humor to it. Um, it's it's very well put together in terms of of the um, just the the mechanics of it. There are a few balance issues with it, but uh, it's still a really solid thing. I'm, I I enjoy playing that a lot. 
Frostpunk is another game which, uh, again, is another city builder. It's a survival city builder game, though. Very steampunky, set in an alternate 1886 where some volcanic eruptions around the world have dimmed out the sun, causing a worldwide volcanic winter. So people are surviving by building their cities around these giant heat generators, which are these sort of monolithic kind of heaters. And you're building the city kind of in a circle around this heater. Um, your main job as, as the person that's sort of mayor of that city is to try and keep the people happy. Uh, you've got to send them out hunting for supplies, keep them fed, and most importantly, keep the generator up and running. Because if you can't supply fuel for the generator and uh, that dies, people start dying because they'll freeze to death. Okay. So it, it's, it's really quite tense because there are points where you can't find the resources and you you know that you've got people that are out scouring for resources in the wilderness and are on their way back and they're just not quite close enough and the generator is going to run out before the people get back to the city and you're like i'm not going to make this and, uh, and and the generator kind of just kicks off and people just arrive and you just manage to save things so it's an incredibly tense and frantic game at places despite having the sort of slow pace of a city builder so it, it's just amazingly well done you also get to set laws as well which means that you can either be quite benevolent or you can be kind of quite dictatorship-ish to it. So you can end up sort of using the bodies of the dead as fuel and stuff. Um, hmm. I, I just I, I highly recommend that game as a city builder. It's one of my favorites. Um, and number four, I've got be Detroit Become Human. Again, uh, pretty much echo everything Matt said about it. Uh, I, I like the, uh, the, just the different characters, the replay value of it. Yeah. Uh, really good story. Um, the fact that your choices do genuinely matter in oh, that game. Yes. Well, you know, to a very, <laughs> very strong extent. <clears throat> so yeah, that I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Spider-Man is at number three for me. Um, I, I've just, again, pretty much the same as what Matt said. Finally, a Spider-Man game worth playing. Uh, I really like the open world mechanic. I like, I, I like the little things in that game, like the fact that they mark the locations of the collection missions on the map. Yeah. So you don't have to go to Google to go and find out where all the collection points are or run around randomly until you stumble across them. So, uh, yeah, it, it makes the completion a little bit easier. But, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that game. Um, I haven't been played the DLC yet. Again, I've, you know, like that, I've got to go back and, and play the rest of that. Uh, number two is, is Subnautica, which is uh, one of my favourite open world games um, ever. I have actually been playing Subnautica for a number of years because it's been in early access, but it's in my list because it officially got released in January, and it's it's literally this week just been released for console. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it's uh, I, I can't recommend this game highly enough. It's one of the few open world games where I've actually gone back and just replayed it just to be in the world and, and played around with it you you're essentially the lone survivor of a crashed spaceship you crash in the middle of an ocean in this life pod so you've got very limited supplies other than a few bits and pieces that are in that life pod you have to swim out into the ocean and use the equipment there's like a 3d printer thing in the in the life pod you, you can go and collect raw materials and use that to uh, create stuff in the life pod and as you create bits that allows you to create tools which allows you to create bigger things so you can get to the point where you're creating bases and uh, submersible vehicles 
Um, and there's a sort of mystery thing that runs alongside it as well. You get messages from uh, other crashed pods, so you can go and find other pods that have uh, 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 crash landed in different places. It's this beautiful, beautiful underwater world. Um, I don't really do horror games particularly, and this isn't really a horror game, but it does have some of the best jump scares you'll ever have in any game. It's it, just wonderful and uh i i really like i say can't recommend that highly enough they've done a brilliant job there's some dlc coming out for it next year as well so uh definitely definitely worth buying and worth looking out for and uh my number one game red dead redemption 2 um i you know what else would it be uh it's it's just an incredible story i love rockstar stuff um I'm hoping that they do actually release some DLC for it and don't just sit back printing money off uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 online because I'm really not that into the online play. So uh, I would like some single-player DLC to come out for it. But um, just wonderful little touches throughout in that game. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. So, yeah. Uh, cool. Yes, that's my game of the year. Nice. Yeah, I, I did add um, Subnautica to my uh, PS4 list recently so i'm gonna um because i remember you talked about it a, a few months ago um, yeah. when you said you were streaming it and stuff so i'm i'm gonna check that out eventually uh yeah cool robert how about you uh well before i get started i wanted to do touch on real quick with the red dead online i don't think you have to worry too much about it turning into the cash cow like gta 5 is because it's not like you can add flying cars and crazy true fat shit you know things like that like yeah, they yeah. did with gta 5 yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a ton of stuff with, uh, you know, the online stuff, but, you know, maybe like, you know, world building, you know, build your own base, things like that. It might come to that, but I don't, it, it doesn't have the same range, you know, setting it in that time frame. So uh, the, cra- the crazy thing about Red Dead is, is it, the amount of endings it has. Because you yeah. feel like you get to the end of it and, and then it's like, oh, no, there's more. Oh, no, there's more. Oh, no, there's more. I, and then you've got you've got this entire area that of of the sort of the bottom half of the map which you've basically not been able to go into for most of the main game and it's not until the sort of um coda things at the end that that really opens up and there's not a lot in there so i do wonder if they are going to to build that i would like to see a remastered version of the first game in that engine um and connecting the two together i don't think they'll ever actually do it but you know, because they've got to, they then have to build the Mexico bit as well. But, the, you know, because the bottom bit of the map is essentially where the first game took place. Yeah. So, I, but I'd be really interested if they, if they did something that maybe pulled it even closer to, uh, to Red Dead 1. So, yeah, I'd like that I don't one. know. Yeah that'd, be, yeah, that'd be fun. By the way, have, have you seen that picture of that meme that's been going around with Red Dead Online? Which, which one? Which There's that? so many it, memes. Yo, yeah, my favorite one is it says uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 online in three years, and it's a picture of Putin on a horse, only his lower <laughs> half is a uh, tank, and he's got the lasers for arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope it doesn't go down that route, but we'll see. <laughs> well, you never know. Um, well, for my games, I don't really have a top ten. I mean, games are something that I enjoy to enjoy, not to rank on an arbitrary scale, but I will talk about some of the games that have taken up most of my time this year. Cool. Uh, the first big one, you know, fans of the podcast obviously know is State of the K2. I was a huge fan of the first one. I bought it like three times because I bought it on uh, 360, and then I bought it on Xbox One, and then when I bought uh, State of the K2, I got an updated version of that, which I gave away on the show. Um, 
I was a little disappointed with some of the grindy nature of some of the things, but it was still yeah. a very enjoyable experience. Um, I'm nowhere close to 100%ing that game, nor do I think I will because <laughs> yeah. of the uh, of all the um, daybreak stuff and how endlessly grindy it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm nowhere even close to some of that. Like, there's this one uh, uh, open zero B one 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 Cleo drops, and I'm like 58% of that, and you know. Survive 343 waves, um, like 27% of that. So none of that's going to go anywhere close to being done. Um, I haven't really had a chance to get the, the free Zed Hunter DLC that's um, been out with that. But, you know, I'm sure I'll jump back into that at some point. Uh, I did play uh, um, Kingdom Come Deliverance. I totally agree with you. Very unique game. Very interesting game. Uh, completely different uh, combat mechanics. It took me a while to get yeah. the hang of the combat. Yes. Um, the only when we talked about when the game first came out, I just said, "Don't treat it like Skyrim, to where you're just slanting about with your sword because you'll be dead in five seconds." <laughs> yes, it's that's very, very more. A, it's very more a sit back, chillax, kind of pick your point um, game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like the combat <laughs> mechanic in that. It's there's actually some thought gone into the combat mechanic with it, which is really interesting. Uh, but yes, yes, you can't play it like Skyrim of just mashing people over the head with a big sword. Yeah. Uh, the next game, this game completely came out of left field for me. Uh, it's called Graveyard Keeper. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a little bit of a spoilery. It's kind of a saddish game because it starts off you're on the phone with your loved one, and then you get hit by a car and die. And then you get transported <laughs> to another world, and you're trying to f- make your way back home, and everybody, and then somehow you inherit taking care of a graveyard. And so you're just kind of faking it till you make it, figuring out um, what's going on, you know, why am I here, what the hell is this thing, how do I get back? Uh, and it was part of Game Pass, which is how it came into my circle. I Never heard of it. I saw somebody playing it. One of the Twitch streamers I follow was playing it. And at the same time, it was a Game Pass sale to where it was $2 for two months. I'm like, okay, I've been wanting to do Game Pass for a while. So I did that, played the game, and I sunk hours into it without even really trying. It's just one of those games that you, you pick up, you start playing, and the next thing you know, it's 20 hours later. <laughs> ah, the civilization <laughs> hole yeah. that I fall into regularly, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I've got the, uh, uh, I'm trying to figure out, you know, uh, how much, I'm, there's a way to see how much time I've played in that, and, yeah, let me see here if it'll actually tell me, yeah, I spent the in-game day, which is, you know, the day cycle, night cycle, in-game day, I've done 151 days uh, inside the game of wow. that, and that. Yeah, so that, that's probably 45, 50 hours of actual game time, so... Yeah. Cool. My, uh, by the way, my Subnautica player hours are... Um, this is real-life hours, 126 hours. <laughs> oh, I had, like, 237 of Fallout 4 before I uh, stopped playing it. Yeah, I, I, I've not even looked at my Fallout 4. That's going to be particularly bad as well, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, it's a little, like I said, it's a little bit of a sad game, but it's a a great game. Um, if you want to, the only problem is they don't really tell you a whole lot of how to do things. So there's a lot of trial and error, a lot of hitting Google. I had to do a couple of restarts because they made some updated 
parts to the game and they made some decent changes that needed to be changes, but it completely screwed over everything that I was doing. So, but I, if you happen to do a Game Pass, which is still on sale, by the way, uh, a six month subscription of Game Pass is $30 right now, uh, US on the store. So, this is a good time to get it. And it's six months. So you'll get so many games for six months. And that'll put you right into the window for when Crackdown 3 comes out. Yep. Uh, so that's a, that's a, the timing of that is great because six months that'll get you to mid May and you'll be able to get a lot of games that are coming out in the first couple, three months of the year for 2019. That's good. For, 407 hours for Fallout 3, for Fallout 4 for me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, they recently added uh, Ashen and Below to the Game Pass as well. So you can uh, play that if you want to sign up to, to the Game Pass. Yeah, and they're adding tons of stuff. I think uh, uh, the Winter of Arcade thing. Yeah, the Winter yeah, of Arcade thing's going. A lot of games are on sale, so if you've ever had a question about that, definitely pick it up. Um, <laughs> next one's a PC game. Um, I'm with you, Ben. I'm a big PC gamer myself. That's how I cut my teeth on games. Uh, <laughs> Battletech was released earlier this year, and it's... Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to pick that up yet, but it is an absolute must if you're an old-school tabletop dice thrower like my, like I am. It is very, very faithful to the Battletech RPG you know, uh, dice game with miniatures and everything. Halfway decent story. I mean, it's a little little rote, but you get to pilot your Lance and Max. You get to blow shit up. Uh, you, do, you do need a better-than-average uh, computer to run it. Um, it's it'll run on a lower system. It's just sometimes you'll get like animation lags to where, uh, like one of the mechs will fire missiles and then it'll just stay on the target mech for like 35, 40 seconds while it does the math in its head for whatever reason. And then you'll see the missiles. And then sometimes that'll slow that down. Uh, the DLC just came out. So the first DLC for, uh, uh, the battle tech uh, called flashpoint not related to the, uh, the Flash show, Barry, what have you done uh, is out. Yeah. Uh, but if you, like I said, if you're a fan of old school Battletech, this is 100% faithful to that. It is it is a very good game. Uh, ah, it's on sale on Steam at the moment. Well, for the next hour, it's on st- sale for, uh, well, in the UK, 24 uh, 49 So maybe I'll pick that yeah. up. <laughs> I would absolutely recommend uh, picking that up. It's a great game. Uh, it's not a new game, but I did get into Overwatch finally. I've been playing a little bit of that. Uh, mm-hmm. People that listen to the podcast, for our gaming podcast, know I won't shut up about my buddy Day, uh, Don, who's uh, diamond level at his tier as a Moira player. <laughs> Just in, yeah, he, he he literally could write a book on, on healing Moira. Because he, wow. was, he was a hosting... Uh, a, a match in the league that was like two tiers above his tier and one of the teams didn't show up and they said hey you just want to scrim with us and run your more and he's like uh i guess and he, he hung with him he, he <laughs> absolutely hung with the a lead you know game, a team that was two tiers above his tier and he still was able to pretty much hold the team together with his healing so it's insane wow that's good going yeah, no, I, I've, I've played it a little bit, but I don't play Overwatch very much. My experience of Overwatch mainly comes from the fact of knowing the characters because I've seen so many cosplays of them when I've been covering co- um, conventions. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and I didn't know a little about it either, but I would pull up stories from the podcast from time to time. The last one I did, uh, you'll find this funny. A kid got sent home from school for bullying another kid, but the bully was, he called him a Hanzo main. <laughs> <laughs> That's how ubiquitous uh, Overwatch is, is that, you know, nine-year-old kids are insulting each other by calling them Hanzo mains. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yep. Uh, and there really wasn't, a, I mean, there's a ton of games that I've played that I've been going over my, uh, my, my history for 2018. There's a ton of games that I've played, but none of them were really that big standouts. The only other big standout was the sequel for the South Park game, uh, oh, the new yeah. one, the, fr- the Fractured But Whole. Uh, yeah. Great RPG mechanics. Uh, if you're a fan of South Park, it's absolutely worth playing. Yeah. No, I, I played that. It's it's really good fun, that game. I actually think the first one maybe was slightly better, but I, I uh, did enjoy the second one. I like I like the Canada bit in the first one, and I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate the first one more just because of people say development hell. Nothing holds the candle to the development hell that the first South Park game went through. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, the the second South Park game is just they they stuck to the same formula. They improved some of the mechanics, and then they just added more tongue and cheek. Yeah, uh, like there's an achievement uh, you have to pick a fight with Morgan Freeman. So <laughs> one of the achievements is that, <laughs> and the fact that they made, they made it a spoof achievement to uh, to uh, create a a black character and complete the game on Mastermind difficulty. <laughs> Just as a as a nod to that, I mean, it's ballsy to do that, but yeah. it's funny as hell. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I haven't played any of the DLC, the the Casa Bonita, or anything like that. Um, but at some point, I'm sure it'll be on sale. At some point, I'm sure I'll pick it up. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, like I said, I've played a lot of games, but nothing else really that stood out. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, so now we're going to move on to the TV list. I will start with that one. <clears throat> uh, number 13. I've got, yes, I've got 13 in this list because a lot of good TV this year. Uh, and I'm sure I've left things out. Um, number 13, I'm going to go with something a little bit different. Uh, Angela Kang, because she took a show that, granted, she hasn't, like, you know, pulled it to mass ratings and, and kept every character in the show. But um, she managed to take something, well, sort of take it from Scott Gimple. He's still hanging around and whatever. Uh, take over the reins from Scott Gimple and managed to uh, make a show that was more worth watching and make a show that was uh, just just better and a bit cleaner. And she had a lot to deal with in just her first half of the season, which is you know the the only bit from her we've. We've seen so far in in just the eight episodes because she had to give the exits to um, you know Rick and Maggie. She had to deal with uh, two time skips. Of course, I won't spoil what happened in the mid season finale, but she had to deal with that and deal with the uh, the, the new villains and everything. And she had to deal with uh, aging up certain characters after the time skip. And um, to come in as a showrunner and do that in just eight episodes and make it just make it just feel like a better show to watch. Granted, not like you know she hasn't like necessarily saved The Walking Dead, quote unquote. Uh, and that sort of thing, but she's definitely done a lot better of a of a job than than Gimple does uh, did did in the last two years and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, what do you do when you become the showrunner of The Walking Dead and your first job is to write out Rick Grimes? What like <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Yeah, 
uh, or Rick and Maggie as well, like, you know, that's that your first job is ta- taking over from, you know, this isn't a, a new piloted show where she had to write out the main character in the first season, this is an established show, this is in its ninth season, and that's that was her first job, so uh, yeah. I think she should get some credit for doing at least as good a job as she could have, uh, I guess, done with that, given well, yeah, what she and, was... And- yeah, as you said, I mean, you know, it's a very, very tough gig to jump into, yeah. and and the fact that you know you say eight episodes, but in reality it was really three episodes that she's had to deal with yeah. because five of them were dedicated to getting rid of Rick. So, I mean, you know, she's she's done a phenomenal job with it, and uh, it, and I will say that's I've got eleven shows that would have been my twelfth, I think, Walking Dead this year, just because of the fact that it's improved so dramatically this season from what it was before. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. begs the real question, what happens when they have to write Daryl out? <laughs> well. <laughs> so that's why they paid him an awful lot of money to stick around, I think, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I thought I'd put Angela Kang in and, instead of Walking Dead, just make it a bit yeah. different and uh, give give her more of the credit. So, yes. uh, Number 12, Sick of It, Carl Pilkington's new uh, show where he plays a guy called Carl as well. So he's called Park yes. Carl in, in both sense, sense of the word. Uh, I think this is the first project he's done without uh, Ricky Gervais. Because I, I, I didn't, I, I've looked up about the show and it didn't say he had any uh, involvement with it he was working on this show with um <clears throat> with someone else uh to do this um six episode uh, comedy series for sky it's a sky original i have no idea where it is in in the u.s right now um but uh no he did a really good job with that and to basically write his kind of own story and to you know play the main character and or play the main kind of two characters because um he also has of course his like negative self uh but not in like an angel devil sense because there's no like he kind of is the angel version of that uh, situation, but um, it, it's basically the uh, the version of his character that is sick of it and is get, is trying to give him, I guess, some version uh, of advice and stuff. And uh, no, I just thought it was a really good sort of first attempt from from Carl Pilkington. Uh, at least I think this is the first thing he's kind of done mostly on his own and without Ricky Gervais. If I'm wrong yeah. about that, I'm I'm not sure. But uh, no, no, you 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 are correct. Okay. It's um he's. It's done with uh, Richard Yee, I think okay. is the guy's name. Um, yeah, Richard Richard Yee, who he worked with on An Idiot Abroad in the Moaning Life. So that's where uh, the connection okay. is to the Ricky Gervais right. stuff. But yeah, Gervais and Stephen Merchant aren't actually involved in this show. It was done just with Carl and Richard. Uh, but no, he did he did a really good job with that. I don't know if it's yeah. got a second season because we don't tend to hear that about British shows straight away. But no. uh, hopefully it has, and uh, that was very good as well. Uh, number 11 uh, is going to be Wanted, uh, which is basically, um, yeah, it's basically about this, this story about these two, you know, normal girls, Chelsea and Lola, who have been working together for years, but never really, like, known each other, and they used to always go to the same bus stop to get roped into this sort of drug deal-esque type thing, not really in a Breaking Bad sense, but it has certain themes from from breaking bad i suppose but they get kind of roped into that and uh they have to use i guess the skills that they have to uh sort of get out of the situation or run away from it and it's just really like an end-to-end sort of like it, it doesn't quite stop kind of thing uh it's six episodes for both the first and second seasons um which i watched this year 
Uh, it's got season three actually coming out next week Thursday, so I'm looking forward to that because it's been seems like it's been a long time since I've seen seen the show, uh, and especially where it ended as well for season two, which obviously I won't spoil. But uh, no, it's got six episodes a season, two seasons of that, and season three, like I said, is coming next week on Netflix. Um, but no, I just it, it it was you know when you're sort of flicking around on Netflix a little bit, not looking for something new necessarily, but because they have so much stuff out there, you just sort of tend to look around. And I uh, watched the trailer, and I I just started it, and I saw I saw it was short as well, which kind of helped uh, me a, a, as a viewer to sort of you know watch it and stuff. But uh, no, it just wrote me in from the pilot, and um, it's a great show. So I thought that was really good as well. Uh, number ten, um, the Flash for I guess the second half of season four and the first half, definitely the first half of season five has been very very good, uh, as I of course discussed this week on the on the podcast for the mid season finale. Uh, hundred episodes later, and it's still going very strong. Of course, it's had its you know ups and downs because what show hasn't? But uh, no, I think it's um, the best D- DC show on the CW. I don't know about the best CW show. I'd have to think about that a bit more. But uh, in terms of their DC shows uh, and Arrowverse <coughs> stuff and all that, I do think that this is the uh, the best of that bunch because there is you know a whole bunch of them at the moment. Um, a lot of people would say Legends, but I I, I would go with, with with Flash for that choice. Um, but no, I, I I've been interested in it since since day one, and I don't feel like it's ever really fallen that far. It has had a couple of old like parts of seasons here and there, but uh, I think this first half of season five has been very very strong. So uh, looking forward to more of that. Number nine is going to be Thirteen Reasons Why for season two, which has been renewed also for a third season. Um, it, it this was more of a surprising one to me because when you know when everybody heard, hey, Thirteen Reasons Why is getting a season two, the first question was, okay, first of all, why, and second, like how, like what what story are they going to tell, and why are they going to tell it? But it was more of just like an extra sort of piece of of uh, Hannah's story and really kind of wrapping her story up in quite a nice way, uh, a nice way considering you know the subject matter, suicide and mental health illness and and all those sorts of subjects that, that surround that and stuff. Um, but no, I just thought they, they, they really came back and surprised me with season two. Because I was like, oh, okay. I, I did enjoy the first season a lot. You know, granted it was uh, difficult to watch in, in places and stuff like that. Uh, I do think the second season is a slightly easier watch. Uh, granted, it's not easy in, in any sense. But maybe slightly easier to watch than season season one. But um, no, I just felt like they came back and surprised me with with, with the story that they had to tell and stuff. So I thought that that was very, very good for, for season two. Um, we got season three, I assume, next year. Uh, number eight, Atypical season two came back, had a very strong uh, second season. Less of a sort of mystery as to what they would do with, with this one. Um, it was more of a just, you know, continuation of last time. They still have plenty of story to tell. Um, I think the guy who plays uh, the main character does an excellent... I mean, everybody on the show does an excellent job, but uh, the way he kind of portrays um, someone with, with that issue and, and stuff like that... Uh, autism, sorry. Uh, the way he kind of um, acts and, and, and plays that role and stuff, I think he does a very, very good job with it. And I think what they, the things that they changed with Season 2 and how they changed things around... Uh, still kind of keeping you know the core of the show, we're only in Season 2, so things don't need to dramatically change. But the way they kind of kept things... The same, but added just kind of new things for the characters to do. Uh, I thought they did a very, very good job with that. So that was great as well. Uh, number seven, one of my most anticipated shows of uh, 2018, Jack Ryan. John, Krasin- John Krasinski, of course. Um, yeah, I didn't know really anything about Jack Ryan. Uh, of course, I, I was uh, thinking he might be similar to Jack Bauer in certain ways, but I heard that the character was more of an analyst and less of a you know field agent and stuff. Um, sure, not the same as Jack Bauer, and I don't think anything will be for me on on TV. I mean, you know, things could still come out and, and change that opinion. 
but uh, not quite the same in that sense, but still kind of taking that sort of, you know, that type of genre, like the the Homeland, the 24, and that that sort of um, uh, area of of, of work and stuff, uh, but more of an an analyst sense. Uh, John Krasinski did a really, really good job in it. and uh no i think it was yeah it was really really good and uh it had eight episodes for the first season so it was nice and short uh that got renewed before the first season started didn't it yes it, it did a, yeah, yeah. Had two season pickup so uh yeah they left it in a really interesting place for season one and of, of course looking forward to uh season two next year and it's being done by amazon and they have uh if you've been following the uh, lord of the rings news they've got a lot of money so yeah uh, yeah, that uh, that character has been in quite a few movies. I know uh, The Hunt for Red October is that same character. Yeah. And uh, I'm blanking on which movie it was, but I know Harrison Ford was in a movie where he was playing that character. Uh, okay. he, did, he did a couple Clear of them. Clear and He's done a couple of them, actually. That wasn't yeah. the only one. Harrison Ford did two or three, I think. And then Ben Affleck did one as well. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's, he's been around a lot that character, but yeah, I do mm. like the uh, I do really like the John Krasinski uh, TV version. I think it's uh, yeah. it comes across really well. Yeah, and you don't have to watch any. I mean, you can watch the previous films if you want to, but you don't have to in order to uh, to get into this. So that's good as well. Yeah, they're not related. It's not yeah. part of the same no. universe. Yeah, it's a reboot. So uh, and a very good one as well. Number six, uh, Sick Note came back for its second season this year. Again, it's sticking to a theme of, of The Wanted a little bit. A, a nice sort of six-episode short run. Actually, I think the season was eight episodes, but a short run nonetheless. And, uh, yeah, it just continued the momentum of season one and introduced, uh, what's her name, Lindsay Lohan in the second season. She played uh, an interesting little kind of character. Uh, and she went in some very interesting directions with, with what she did with that. And uh, yeah, it's got uh, is it Rupert Rupert Grint, the the guy who played um, uh, Ron from uh, yes yeah, him yeah it's got him for he's in a in in a uh, an AMC show now as well I can't remember the name of that one um, but, Snatch okay he's in he's in uh, yeah. yes he's in Snatch um, but no it, it came wasn't out. that a Guy Ritchie film as well yes it's based on the Guy Ritchie film I think okay cool um, but no it carried on the momentum of season one and just kept kind of throwing new things at the characters to just deal with and stuff uh and um it managed to be continued to be funny as well even though it, it evolved around uh, kind of a, a lie of of cancer and stuff um you, you'd have to watch the show to get a bit more context as, as to why that's particularly funny uh it's got nick frost in it as well he plays a, an interesting character and uh no i really really enjoyed season two i thought it was great uh number five something that came out of kind of nowhere for me uh haunting of hill house um, I remember the first time I actually heard of it was when David talked about interviewing someone uh, involved with the show, and I remember you kind of uh, talked about it, and you, yeah. you said it was pretty good and stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, I might check it out, and then, like, as it was coming out for its release, you know, more press started to see it, and they're like, hey, this is, like, really, really good horror. I was like, huh, is this going to be, like, that good? Is it? And I heard it had, like, ghosts and stuff in it, and I was like, is this going to be some, like, weird, spooky thing? But no, it was something much, much better than... Than that, it really took me by surprise, and uh, no, the more people that just kept watching it, I was like, huh, maybe I should just check this out, you know, and just watch the pilot, and I was like, huh, there's some, like, weird mystery stuff with the house and the family, and uh, I I won't, obviously I won't spoil it here, but that Bent Neck Lady episode was just done absolutely (laughs) fantastically and stuff, Um, you'd have to, of course, watch it to, to get more context on that, but... Now that that was shocking, surprising, really well done, and um, just has this creepy thing of like you know two characters are talking in the house, and a, a little and a ghost or a you know, dead person from the past they'll just walk back and walk in the background and you'll just 
be asked to sort of uh, notice them kind of thing. And um, yeah, it has, has some really good horror in that way as well. And I felt like sometimes it's difficult in TV to do timelines, especially if you look at like Westworld and stuff. But um, I feel like the way they handled, you know, the young versions of the characters and the grown up ones and made it make sense. Like in the end, uh, they did a very good job with that, which is, is very difficult to do sometimes. So uh, number four is Daredevil. Uh, yes, we might, well, we, we don't know what's really happening with, with season four yet. There's rumors of Hulu and, and all that kind of it's stuff. It's cancelled. Yeah, cancelled, but... <laughs> yeah, at have. the moment it's cancelled. Yes. That's the only thing we can positively say. Right. Uh, so no, no, no season four on Netflix, obviously. Um, but no, this third season really came back really strong. A lot of people had problems with season two. I really enjoyed it. It had like Elektra and Punisher and John Bernthal was great in that. Uh, and stuff obviously season one was very very good with uh, the start of uh, Wilson Fisk and everything but no bringing back Wilson and, and having that really strong storyline and bringing uh, Bullseye in and that sort of character uh, and having the uh, the agent in there as well uh, and the way they kind of just set up more and more stakes as the show went on and uh, man those fight scenes they're really good so uh, and they, they did another um, long take sort of fight scene as well in the season yeah that, that scene yeah. I, I that scene was absolutely phenomenal. The prison sequence is, is one of the best pieces of TV this year. Yeah. Uh, so, very, very good uh, third season for that. That was really good. Uh, and then something else that kind of came up of nowhere. The uh, Number three, uh, Good Girls season one, which, again, I didn't hear about until uh, David had mentioned it on, on Geek Town. I think you mentioned it the week before, and then I saw... Was it? No, I think it was the week oh. I was on. You said you'd started watching it. And uh, I said, hey, this sounds a little bit like Breaking Bad or Wanted in, in some ways. Uh, and uh, I started it and it was really, really good. I finished the, the first season, obviously. And uh, second season, I'm assuming, is like early-ish next year. It's like a mid-season show. So, yeah, um, no, came out came out of nowhere really for me. And um, I, I really enjoyed what they managed to, to pull off with that. That was great as well. And uh, yeah, they, they, they set up a lot of different sets of, of stakes and stuff. And um, they pull it off very well. So two more to go. My number two, uh, the good place, um, came back over, or has actually finished now for the first half of season three. Um, coming back for obviously uh, second half of season three next year. Uh, started it just this year in in January again. It was another. Um, this is a lot of stuff that you've recommended, David. You, you've kind of talked about on the <laughs> town and stuff because I remember you and uh, you were talking about it with someone on an episode. It was probably like Ross or or Bex maybe or someone like that. And uh, everybody kept saying how good it was. And, you know, it's one of the things where you, you hear enough about a show that you haven't seen and you just kind of jump on. And, uh, man, what a good show. What a just absolutely fantastic show uh, in evidence this week is the uh, Golden Globe Awards and stuff and that sort of thing. So um, just just so, so funny. Yeah. Oh, God, what a show. Um, yeah, so you might be surprised that that's not my number one. But uh, my number one is Love on Netflix, which came back for its third and final season this this year. So there won't be any more of that. I won't be able to put it on next year's list or the year after or anything like that. Um, came back and just had a really strong, just thoroughly good third season. And uh, again, had stakes with like making Gus's relationship because they like you know had discussion about marriage and kids, and that didn't go. Like quite as the plan and stuff, or maybe it did. You have to watch the show to find out. Um, but no, a very, a very, very good ending to it, and just like they fully sort of closed the door on it, and like didn't leave much sort of hanging, uh, and that sort of thing. But um, as I kind of said in my review, it sets. Uh, I mean, I'm not a romantic comedy watcher per se, but um, but.
but uh, I feel like it sort of sets a, a good standard for that as well because uh, it just adds more and more layers to it and it it isn't just about you know these two will they won't they sort of thing there's so many more things to this show and uh, I highly recommend it it's uh, on Netflix so yeah that's my list a lot of good stuff this year for TV um, yes David. there's some things in there that I, I would have expected that, that aren't in there that I would have expected but we'll, we'll okay. see about? when they come up in my list sure. but uh, okay so my list, I actually have 11 shows. I did have 10 and then realized I missed something which really needed to go in. So um, uh, my number 11 show is uh, Trust, which is a limited series. Uh, it's an FX show in America. It was on BBC Two over here. Um, it's from Simon Beaufoy and uh, Danny Boyle, who are the people behind Slumdog Millionaire and The Full Monty. It's about the kidnapping of uh, John Paul Getty III, the heir to the Getty Oil Fortune. Um and uh, he was kidnapped by the Italian ra- mafia in Rome in the sort of um, 70s. Uh, stars Donald Sutherland, Hilary Swank, and Brendan Fraser. Um, the the kid is is sort of uh, the yeah the, the families are very sort of upper class American. They're living in England in this massive mansion. They've got more money than God, and you know they the the uh, the guy that the Donald Sutherland's character, who is the boss of the family, who is John Getty, is is a ridiculously obnoxious man. Um, the the kid is a uh, somewhat of a seventies hippie, uh, not really like the rest of the family. He's in Italy and doing drugs and partying, and he's he's sort of in his early teens, oh mid teen mid to late teens. Sorry, uh, he actually starts off by staging the kidnapping himself, uh, and it all goes rather horribly wrong. It's it's brilliantly brilliantly put together. Um, it, you know, each episode sort of follows various different parts of the story. Brendan Fraser is superb in this. Um, they they have him break the fourth wall at certain times and talk directly to the camera and talk to the audience, uh, which is is wonderful way to do it. But it it it's just so well put together. If you're in the UK, it's still on iPlayer, I think, at the moment. I think you can probably find it on there. So it's well worth going to look for if you've not seen that. It's called Trust. Um, Number 10 is Bodyguard, which is the biggest show in the UK this year for the BBC. Uh, you probably know quite a lot about this if you're in the UK, but uh, it stars uh, Richard Madden as the police sergeant David Budd. He's a army veteran suffering from PS, uh, PTSD, now works for the Special Protection Office for the uh, Royal and Special Protection Branch of the London Met, which is he's kind of like the um, uh, security services of the White House. Um, he's assigned to protect the Home Secretary, played by Keely Halls, who is a politician who basically stands for everything he absolutely despises. And it ends up becoming this sort of game of, of cat and mouse with him and a bunch of, of uh, terrorists, which um, there's they're sort of various plots going on in terms of them sort of trying to kill off and, and disrupt things, the agenda of, of the uh, Home Secretary. It's just very, very well put together. As I said, it was the biggest show on British TV so far. I'm not sure how it's gone down in America. I think it's on Netflix in the US. So, uh, but it, it, it is well worth going to pick up off, off uh, Netflix if you haven't seen it. Uh, number nine is Humans Season 3. Uh, which was out this year. Uh, I, I've got sort of a soft spot for the show because I have quite a long connection with it. Um, uh, apart from having interviewed half the cast, uh, I've done set visits for it. Uh, I was on a TV documentary with Gemma Chan for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know the show really, really well. 
season three I thought was really interesting. It starts off after the end of season two, which was uh, what they're now calling Day Zero, which was when all the synths were woken up by one of the characters while she was trying to save her, her friends. Uh, so now all the synths are... Uh, sentient and they're living in camps and there's sort of anti-synth resentments everywhere uh the it's sort of how they're dealing with the social cultural and psychological impact of having this essentially superior race uh on the humans um there is a certain amount of mirroring politics of of today but it does it in a much more appropriate way than uh you know something like supergirl which i know you you've talked about on your TV podcast, uh, which, you, you know, kind of crowbars it in a bit, whereas it, it fits far better in a show like Evans because, the, you know, there is, there is more reason for it being there. So there is a certain amount of that, but I thought season three was absolutely brilliant, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully that coming back again. I don't think it's actually confirmed for the season yet, but hopefully we'll see that. <coughs> uh, number eight, Better Call Saul. Um, I, I mean, I love this show. Uh, I thought Bob Odenkirk is, is fabulous. Jonathan Vance is great. Rhea Seahorn is brilliant. Um, the fourth season is sort of dealing with the loss of Chuck or starts off dealing with the loss of Chuck or whether we, in, in Sol's case, not, or in Jimmy's case, not dealing with the loss of Chuck. Um, you've got sort of Kim getting bored with all her corporate work and almost encouraging Jimmy through her own boredom to, to sort of become bad and become soul. So uh, it was a really interesting way they took it. I, and that final line of, of Jim Waterbock going soul go man, I, just great way to end it. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, Legends of Tomorrow, you've got, uh, I will be my number seven. And, uh, I, I'm actually surprised you said most people will pick Legends because I don't think that's the case. I think most people will probably pick Flash. Oh, oh. But, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I, I really thought, I mean, I love all the Arrow shows, all the Arrowverse shows. Uh, Arrow, I think, has been a lot stronger this year than previous And, uh, uh, I love Flash as well. And, uh, Supergirl's fine. But, um, Legends. Legends to me, I, I love the fact that it, it really doesn't sort of march to the same beat as all the other shows. It's very independent. Uh, they're not afraid to swim for the fences. I mean, this season's had killer unicorns, evil fairy godmothers, and a minotaur so far. So, you know, plus you've got Constantine in this season. He's brilliant. So, I, I just, I love that series. It's, it's wonderfully stupid. And, uh, I, I just hope they carry on down that boat because I'm going to uh, atypical, you, you mentioned in your list, uh, it's in uh, number six. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful performance by, uh, Gilchrist as, uh, Sam in that. The, I think the family dynamic's great. Uh, it's just hilarious and funny. And, uh, I, yeah, I can't, if you've not watched Atypical, it's on Netflix. Go and watch it now. It's really, really good comedy. Um, over on Amazon, uh, my number five, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, I'm just in the middle of watching season two at the moment. Not caught the show. It's from Amy Sherman Palladino and Dad Palladino, who are the creators of the Gilmore Girls. It has very much the same sort of Gilmore Girls snappy dialogue, that sort of fast-paced delivery of it. Uh, it's brilliantly written. It's hilariously funny. Uh, stars uh, Rachel Brosshannon as uh, a 50s upper-middle-class Jewish housewife 
who discovers she has a flair for stand-up comedy when her husband's leave her husband leaves her and she goes to a club to drown her sorrows and ends up getting up on stage and ranting about it and and get rounds of applause and uh, that sort of start, gets her noticed by uh, Susie who owns the club and becomes her manager played by Alex Bornstein and uh, it's it's just one of the funniest shows on TV I, I can't recommend that highly enough um, number four I've got uh, Star Trek Discovery because that landed in January so it can go in this list um, yeah it's uh it was actually this year because it did land in January. Um, technically, I mean, it's not really very traditional Star Trek, and I know that upsets some of the Trek fans, but I think it's a great sci-fi show in its own right. Uh, I love the, the fact that they, they went out and messed around with the Mirror Universe quite a lot. I thought that was really good. Um, I like the fact that it's got this serial format to the show rather than like standard traditional Trek, which was far more episodic and sort of things got reset at the end of each episode. Um, and, uh, you've got this season long story arcs. I thought Sonequa Martin Green is great. Uh, I love Doug Jones and, uh, to see him actually as a regular rather than, you know, on, on a TV show as an alien character rather than being, you know, somebody that pops up in a, film or something uh i thought it was great mary wiseman is fantastic just fantastic as tilly um and uh then you've got season two which comes out on the 18th of january you've got anson mount who i adore and he's coming as christopher bike and ethan peck playing spock so i'm very interested to see what they do with that and the enterprise crew and how they dovetail all that together uh yeah so i i'm just think that was a great great show uh, number three, Got the Good Place, um, which, you know, we've talked about endlessly and we did the podcast, and we did the podcast for, and, uh, I mean, I, I just adore that show. It is, I love the fact that it's not a typical sitcom. Uh, it never resets like a normal sitcom does, other than for plot reasons where it resets quite a lot. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, just love that show. Back on, um, 11th of January for that, uh, uh, yeah, just great, great comedy. Uh, yeah, number, number two, I have The Orville. Um, back to sort of Trek-like things, but uh, arguably more classic Star Trek than Discovery, really. Uh, far more episodic format. Um, manages to poke fun at Star Trek without being disrespectful in any way. Um, clearly made by uh, Cecil Farland, who's a massive Trek fan, who's clearly a massive Trek fan. Um, I, I like the fact that it's it's sort of like where Star Trek has all these sort of high ideals and the way Gene Roddenberry set it out of these kind of you know the the humans being not quite as flawed. You've got the Orville, which is far closer to be what it be if like if people from today were sort of involved in that sort of space travel. There's far it's kind of far more humanizing to me. Uh, so second season of that tenth of January that arrives. Okay, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And number one, Westworld, um, which I thought was superb this season. Uh, you, you've got the second season where the park's kind of in full revolt. You've got uh, Ed Harris, who was, was finally getting to play the game that he always wants the park to be. It's like all the gloves have come off and, you know, he's finally kind of getting to play the sort of danger because there's, there's uh, actual danger of him being injured this time around 
Uh, Dolores and Teddy heading off trying to get out into the outside world. Babe looking for a daughter. Uh, and uh, the relationship between that little group of some Babe, Lee and Hector, I thought was fabulous. Um, I mean, I just, I, and the way they broke the timelines up as well, I thought was quite clever this year. We, uh, we sort of did in the future and kind of slipping very easily back and forwards between the two timelines. Uh, and you, you're still not very entirely sure what was going on. And then you had Carl Strand, uh, Gustav Skarsgård, who I thought was great as well. And then when it comes back in 2020, you've got Aaron Paul joining from Breaking Bad. So, uh, I mean, what more can you just, just brilliant. I thought that was absolutely so, uh, yeah, that's Oh, well, my list I've been editing down because I wanted to stick to I wanted to just go to the, the shows that I'm watching that haven't been brought up yet because I don't really need to, you know, relate on something that I've already been relating to. So I just have the, my main three. Uh, the first one, I don't know if it's over in the UK yet, it's called Manifest. It very much no. scratches the lost itch that I've been missing since Lost, you know, went uh, tits up in the fourth season. Uh, the basic plot is this uh, flight is going back home to New York, and there's some turbulence, and then they land, and everybody's freaking out that they landed because the plane is five and a half years late. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. uh, pretty decent cast. Uh, nobody that's in the cast is jumping out as somebody that you would recognize, but it's it's a very, uh, you know, there's a lot of mystery on it, because uh, obviously... First off, the five and a half years of time travel. And there's yeah. a lot of weird stuff that happens in it. Um, so if you're a fan of Lost, I would definitely give this a check out. I don't want to talk too much as, of it because uh, yeah. it, it's going to spoil a lot. Um, but there's some, yeah. there's some good, uh, there's some good, uh, Lost-esque style art directions to it. So yeah. Not not being picked, amazingly not being picked up in the UK yet, and it is one of the most asked about shows when uh, I do the run the stats on the website. It's the one that comes up the most. Uh, Josh Dallas is is probably the person that people may know because he was in Once Upon a Time, played the Prince Charming in Once Upon a Time, and I think he's one of the leads in it. So that's the the character people may know from there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm really surprised that nobody's picked that up yet. I'm really really shocked. Yeah, the second one, and this is, I'm going to give, uh, not a spoiler warning, but uh, just a heads up on it. This one is hard to watch if you can't handle serious subjects. It's called A Million Little Things. Um, and it talks about all of the things in life that we don't talk about. Uh, the show opens up with uh, one of the characters, uh, Ron Livingston, which if you don't know Ron Livingston, then you're clearly not watching anything good. Uh, he was in, uh, 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 he was in Boardwalk Empire. He was on Saturday Night Lights. Uh, most people, nerdy people like myself would know him as the main character from Office Space. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But he's been in so much stuff. Townies, That's Life, Band of Brothers, The Practice, uh, Sex in the City for a few episodes. Uh, Defined Gravity, which went nowhere, which is a shame, which is a, it was a great show. Anyway, it opens up on him. You know, he's in a power suit. He's got Bluetooth headset on, and he's he's trying to close a business deal. And then it cuts to uh, the next character, Rome Howard, who's played by Romy Malko. Uh, you've seen him in, he's in Blunt Talk, he was in Mad Dogs, he's in Unsupervised, Weeds, Prison Logic. So, you know, he's been in that type of stuff as well. 
and he's writing out a suicide note. So this is this is obviously this is where it gets into the serious stuff. So he's writing it out, finishes it off, um, and he gets a bunch of pills and he's putting it in his mouth and his phone rings and he's like doesn't want to answer, doesn't want to answer it, and it keeps ringing, it keeps ringing, and he finally answers it and he says what? And he says uh, the, the Ron Lemmings character just killed himself, just jumped off the building, and so the whole season just talks about things that we don't talk about. Suicide, depression, um, just everything in that wheelhouse. They they bring it out in the forefront. It's right there. You got to be able to um, be able to, to process things like that. Um, but they talk about it in a very respectful manner. Um, you know, survivor's guilt, uh, living with a disease, things like that. Um, the big thing is, is it is chocked full. As a cast, it's got Grace Park, who you remember from the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Uh, it's got James Roday, who you probably best known for from Psych. Uh, it's got Allison Miller, who's uh, been in a ton of stuff. You probably know her from 13 Reasons Why or Incorporated or Go On. Uh, it's just cast member after cast member. And it's a, it's a great show. It's really intense. But like I said, it does talk about a lot of stuff that doesn't really get talked about. Uh, so you just got to know that going in. But yeah, they, I, I could not recommend it more. Yeah, the the cast is is really impressive. Yeah, Grace Park was uh, Hawaii Five O as well. Yeah, she was yeah. Boomer in in Battlestar Hawaii Five O as well. Uh, David Glu, Glu, uh, David Giotoli, uh was the guy that played the lead in uh, Grimm. Yeah, he played Nick Burkhart in Grimm. Yeah. Um, Christina Oka, who I've actually interviewed, um, she's in, uh, she was in Blood Drive and, uh, Valor in the US and mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenal cast. I, again, that's another one I don't think has been picked up over here yet. So a million uh, little, million a million little, little things. things. Yeah. It's, it was described as being a, a bit like, this is us e that sort of same wheelhouse uh this is us wishes it could hit the the drama notes that this show does interesting okay yeah cool. and the third one i want to talk about is really out of left field um they just announced that they picked glow up for a third season uh and you neither i mean matt knows it because i talked about it on another podcast but glow was a women's wrestling show back in the early 80s. Um, and it kind of hit a weird wheelhouse of being super popular because of the time slot that it had, which was 10 a.m. on a Sunday. So unsurprisingly, it got really popular with college kids who, who you know, just waking up from an all-night bender. Uh, you know, they don't want to get out of bed, so they flip on the TV, and then there's women's wrestling. Uh, but this show is basically kind of a... It, it spoofs a lot of things because it's very, very 80s individuals and the aesthetics, but it also spoofs uh, a lot of the things that happened in the 80s. Um, and you got to be able to accept, for lack of a better word, a lot of political incorrectness. It's not that they're trying to be offensive. It's just they're highlighting how much things have changed from then to now. Yeah. Uh, like one of the main characters um, is Sunita Mani. Uh, you would know her from Mr. Robot. Right. Uh, she's, uh, India descent. 
but this is the 80s, and so her char- her wrestler character's name is Beirut. <laughs> and they they give her, like, a giant unibrow, and she goes out in the wrestling ring with a couple of bandoliers of weapons and fake bombs. And that, <laughs> <Wow>. is, <laughs> that is the least offensive of the intentionally inten- offensive characters. Uh, the best way to describe it is they're fighting stereotypes. Not that they're fighting against the stereotypes, but they're made to be stereotypes that fight each other. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's got a huge cast. It's got Alison Brie in it, is the main lead. I uh, love her on Community, and she's also topless within the first 20 minutes, which is, you know, bonus points. <laughs> uh, and then the, her, her counterpoint is uh, Betty Gilpin. Uh, you would know her from Elementary, Masters of Sex, The Walker, Nurse Jackie, uh, lots of stuff. And it's got, you know, some people that you would probably have seen this don't really recognize. Um, uh, Mark Marin is in it, comedian, funny guy. Uh, Kimmy Gatewood is in it. Um, trying to pull her up. She's been in the, she was in the morning after, um, a sketchy couple episodes. Just a, it's it's one of those things that you kind of have to like wrestling and kind of have to remember the '80s to get the full effect of it. Uh, but it's very interesting. It, it it just intrigued me more than anything else. Um, but yeah, that got picked up for a third season. Uh, really weird, but if you just go in, no one is gonna be weird. You can just enjoy it. So and everything else. Yeah. Weirdly, Kate Nash is also in Glow, and she's yeah. basically a singer-songwriter um, mm-hmm. before she did this. So, uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Her, her wrestler's name is Britannica. Yeah, right, yes. Because <laughs> she is British. Yeah, and she, she has her British accent. Well, I guess in America, it'd be a British accent. It's just her normal speaking voice. And then they, they make her, you know, with the big fake nerd glasses, and then <laughs> she... He hits people with like a, an Encyclopedia Britannica as part of a wrestling move. So it's just that kitschy, cheesy thing. Um, and you know, me, I grew up in the eighties and I remember when wrestling became just crazy popular over here in the States. And so that just, that brought back a lot of memories from my childhood. And I do remember Glow. It was like crazy popular. They were doing like guest stars on all the TV shows. They did a couple of guest appearances on game shows. Uh, there's actually a couple, three really good documentaries about that show on Netflix. So if you watch the show and you like it and you're kind of more curious about it, it'll lead you right into a couple of documentaries. Some of them were uh, kickstarted. Hey everybody, so this is my read-on version of the outro. Of course, uh, you guys know mostly what I usually say in this part, but you can find all of the content on entertainmenttalk.org. You can uh, support the podcast and support Entertainment Talk by going to patreon.com forward slash entertainment talk. That's where you can go and redeem rewards for reviews of your choice. Uh, iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe to the feeds that we're we're, uh, updating at the moment and the feeds that we're using. Uh, Another piece of the audio that got cut out was me talking about uh, the last time it was me, Robert, and David. That was the 100th episode of Random Gaming Talk that we did back in January. Uh, that's actually a very recent episode that I put on the new Gaming Talk feed, so you guys can go and listen to that if you want to as well. Uh, Amazon affiliate link, you can shop on Amazon, use our affiliate link, we'll get a small cut of what you spend, it won't cost you anything extra, so that's a good way to support us as well. Word of mouth, of course, friends, family, tell people that you know about the website and the iTunes feeds, they can go and discover the content for themselves as well, uh, and the feeds are also on Spotify as well. 
Um, just in case it didn't get mentioned in the end bit, you can go and vote in the Geek Town Awards, geektown.co.uk forward slash awards. Geek Town is also a course where you can find your air, air news update and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, that would be uh, good for that as well. Uh, and please go and vote on your, on your favourite shows and stuff like that as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you guys liked our, our lists and that sort of thing, uh, and you have your own, like, favourite shows, video games, films of the year, of course you guys can message us and tweet us and all that sort of stuff. Matthew at entertainmenttalk.org, uh, Twitter at eTalkUK, there's the Facebook group and the Facebook page. There's also an email form you can fill out on the website, that's where you can put in your email and your comment, that will get sent to me there as well, that's also in the contact page of the, um, of the website you can go over there and check that out as well if you'd like to watch me robert or david play different video games all the three of us play different video games uh robert's got one me, me and david have got ones on twitch and david's got one on mixer so you can go and check those out as well um all right that's goodbye from me thank you all very much for listening this is a bit of a, a bit of a strange outro because it kind of connects to a podcast that two other people were, were on uh thank you very much to david and to robert for joining the podcast and thank you to you guys for listening very much uh, it's been a great year for the podcast it really has it's been really really good and uh that should be uh yeah thank you guys for listening as well that that was um yeah it's been it's been a good year so thank you guys for listening um all right i'll uh say goodbye from me and then i'll hand it over to the guys to say goodbye uh to you guys uh and as always we will see you next time goodbye goodbye, goodbye.